Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Surfing village, great accommodations. Picture this, waking up in a cushy queen-size bed with a mosquito net and a cool fan blowing. You sit up, and as the crust falls from your eyes, at first light, you're viewing a perfect right-hander peeling by, and it spits. And oh, by the way, great food, fresh fruits, fresh vegetables, mahi-mahi, coconut curry, lasagna steaks, chicken cacciatore, spiced rices with Brazilian black beans and garlic bread. The food is amazing. Best of all, uncrowded waves. Are you sick of the Mentawai boat anxiety? Me too. I'm not traveling all the way to Indo to sit with 30 guys with 30 more on the way. Surfing Village. Surfing-village.com at the Telos Islands. Great accommodations, great food, uncrowded, perfect waves. What's not to like? Get $175 off by mentioning Boardroom Show in your correspondence with Surfing Village. Go to surfing-village.com, mention Boardroom Show, boom, $175 off. I had such a great trip this year that I've already booked for next year. Surfing-village.com. The Boardroom International Surfboard Show presented by U.S. Blanks October 7th and 8th, the only surfboard manufacturing industry trade show in the world. And it's the largest surfboard marketplace. Great deals on boards, wetsuits, fins, gear of all types, and much, much more. Live music, seminars, discussions, art, photography. Please join us. Exhibitor space still available. Boardroomshow.com. Check it out at boardroomshow.com. Thomas Bexon a hardworking surfboard manufacturer from Noosa Heads. He's a big bloke with grand surfboards, one of the shapers invited to compete in the Icons of Foam, honoring Bing Copeland this October at the Boardroom International Surfboard Show. Highly regarded around the world. You've seen his boards under the feet of some of the greatest longboarders in the world, not the least of which world champion Harrison Roach. On this episode of the Boardroom Podcast, Thomas Bexon. Let us begin. Good time of the day around here. There's um, no one else in, in the place anywhere, so it's, it's nice and quiet. Yeah, let me, um, let me just real quick get started here. Thomas Bexon, welcome to the Boardroom Podcast. Thomas, of course, Premier Shaper from Noosa in northern New South Wales. Queensland. 
Oh, Queensland. I'm <laughs> when I was doing that, I'm like, I'm going to screw this up. And I did. Um, good morning. It's Saturday morning there for you, Thomas. Good morning, buddy. Yeah. No. Good. Good morning. Good afternoon for you. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Um, obviously, I mentioned you live in Noosa. So for the listeners of the podcast, I've been lucky enough to, to have gone and been to Noosa and surfed up there. But if you could give a quick um, sort of audit or overlay of the beautiful waves there in the park and um, the various little spots there. I guess it's primarily known for its, yeah, what we got like five right-hand point breaks that all kind of line up and move around a big headland. So that's, it's like definitely it's draw card and what it's famous for. Um, pretty ideal longboard waves. We've also got, you know, down the beach, there's some little beach breaks and then around the corner of the headlands, like Sunshine Beach, which is like the open open stretch of beach, which is a bit of a swell magnet. So when it's flat on the points, you've got the open beaches to surf that kind of pick up all the swell. Yeah. And and those points, like um, I know there's like tea tree, right? Like there's one called like national parks. Like yeah, the, so it starts at like first point, main beach, first point, and then little cove, national park, tea tree, granite. And then you go around the headland, there's a beach called A Bay, and then Sunshine Beach. And and what about you? Like which ones of those? I mean, I imagine you're it's probably way easier to just to surf first point, get out and go back to work. Do you ever go <laughs> further up? Um I mean, first point, unfortunately, for the last few years has been kind of funky. They did a bunch of sand dredging to keep the tourists happy on Main Beach and put a heap of sand there, which has kind of made first point almost disappear. It kind of breaks wide and fast and isn't very good at the moment. Um, So primarily, I mean, it's sort of Nationals, Little Cove and Tea Tree. I can like little coves to go to with, especially with my son and wife, it's just easy. We go down, it's a bit smaller. Yeah. For him, have a quick surf, go back sort of thing. If you got a little bit more time, you know, walk around a tea tree, it's always a little bit bigger, picks up more swell and yeah, it's beautiful. You go around there, you can't see a building. It's just the beach, yeah. the water and trees. So it's pretty nice. It's incredible. It's so gorgeous. Um, tell me about your, your, you're, how long have you been married and how old is your son or daughter? Um, I've been married 11, just over 11 years now. And yeah. my son's um, nine. He turned nine at the start of this year. Cool. So, yeah, it's, it's good fun. It's a cool age. You know, they, they start turning into your friend. They're not a little, a little kid that you got to look after. And, like, now I go for a surf with him. I don't take him for a surf, you know. like Yeah. I didn't know what you mean. I recall being able to just go, hey, my son wants to, you know, I would tell my wife, hey, Hank wants to go surfing. It's not me. It's him. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah we did that yesterday. We were at the beach and we'd had a bit of a surf and come in and he was playing on the beach with his friends and we were hanging out, just chatting with our friends. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to go surfing again. And he just like grabbed his board and went out. And we're like, this is pretty cool. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, that's sweet. Cool, man. Well, tell me a little bit about you. When did you start surfing or did you grow up right there at Noosa? No, I grew up out in the bush until I was about 12, I think, when we moved to the coast. Um, I'd been surfing a bit 
to the beach a bit before that. Like my uncle lived on the Gold Coast and he'd surfed all his life. Like he was kind of that older generation, like went to school with Rabbit and those kind of guys. So he'd always surfed and my mum grew up there on the Gold Coast in the 60s and 70s. And then so would always go and visit him. He'd take me to the beach and that was kind of the introduction. And then when I was, yeah, 12 or 13, we moved to the Sunshine Coast and then I sort of got into it on my own then. Yeah. And right away you were keen and you were you were in the ocean. Yeah, it kind of got hooked pretty quickly. I kind of stopped playing rugby and doing other stuff. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I just want to go to the beach. And yeah, it just kind of took over. And then kind of, I don't know, just got really sucked into it. And then that sort of led to getting sucked into surfboards as well a couple of years after that. So that just kind of, yeah, wanted to play. And tell me a little bit about that because um Obviously, you're a premier shaper now. Um, tell me about how you got interested in building surfboards and maybe who your mentors were. Who was it that sort of went, hey, kid, this is a planner. Here's what you do. Um, I mean, I guess when I got into it, I kind of was the weird kid that got into the longboarding side of it a bit too because it wasn't definitely wasn't overly common then that would have been what like mid 90s um and then yeah just kind of got interested in that longboarding side of it and then the old males as well like the 60s boards there was a few guys with them around and then I had a friend in school whose dad owned a surf shop it was called Weir's Inside Edge in Cotton Tree it was quite an iconic like proper old school surf shop the rafters were just full of hundreds of old boards and they fixed things out the back and it's just a genuine surf shop. So that kind of was super lucky to hang out with that family. And then Brian, his, my mate's dad, who did ding repairs and was just one of those, he's still out there every day. You know, you go to the beach at 5am and he'd be coming back in on a paddleboard after checking his crab pots before going for a surf. <laughs> and I sort of just hung out at the store and showed an interest in boards. So he helped me get my first blank off um, the supplier. So he got a blank for me and kind of just gave me some tips and told me what tools I'd need and stuff. And I just kind of hacked into it in mum's garage at home to start with. Okay. So you, you just sort of went a little bit blind, just, but, but Brian <laughs> helped you a little bit, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's kind of good, I guess. He gave me a bunch of tips and, you know, you know, and just had educated me a bit on surfboards as well, like letting me ride a bunch of old 60s longboards and anything that they had lying around, which yeah. had kind of given me an idea and, yeah, gave me some tips and I kind of just hacked into it and then I took it to a, a glassing shop to get glassed and then got another blank and tried again. I think I stripped strip glass off a couple of old boards as well to get blanks. And it was just fun. And like, as a kid, it was a cheap way to try boards as well. You know, I couldn't afford to go and buy new boards all the time. So. Yeah. And tell me about board number one. Where is it? I've still got it. It's actually um, on the wall in the glassing room. I'm pretty stoked that I kept it. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. at the time, like, I'd been watching a lot of stuff of Joel and like riding eggs and single fin longboards because of riding the old males. I'd kind of got into that more traditional 
side of surfing, which wasn't overly common around here at the time. And I was lucky to have that surf shop and Brian to sort of be able to have some of those sorts of styles of boards to look at. So I think the first one was like a seven foot, seven, six egg, like single fin egg thing. It's crazy. It's got no rocker at all. You put on the ground, the deck just lies flat on the ground the whole way. Yeah. But cool to still have it. Yeah. Number one. And so when you made it, you're like watching Joel and stuff. You're like, oh, those boards look flat. I mean, this one's going to be flat. Or was it more like, hey, I just, I don't even know what rocker's going in this board. I'm just cutting out a board. Yeah. I think it was a bit of both. Like, you know, a pro- Brian probably told me, oh, yeah, they're kind of flat, you know, single fin. You want it to trim. They don't have a whole lot of rocker. So I definitely didn't put any rocker in it. Yeah. And was that even a question? Were you like, were you like, hey, Brian, should I put three inches of tail rocker in this thing? Or was it just? It, would, it wouldn't have been a question at all. It was just flying blind. Just like, oh, yeah, that kind of looks like something I've seen a picture of in a magazine. Like, that'll do. <laughs> yeah, it would have definitely not much inside yeah. or back, background into it. it was, yeah, I mean, I was 14 then. So, yeah, it was really just flying blind. And when was the last time that board was ridden? Probably you know a year, a year or two after I made you know it. Oh, it's gonna happen. Yeah, I should really get it. I, I thought about it when we moved factories, and I like dug it out and put it up on the wall there. And even a couple of boys like, you should have a go. And I was like, yeah, but it's not going to go any good. And I was like, but yeah, I should really get it down and try it. Yeah, or, or have your son ride it. Yeah, it'd be cool to get him onto it. That'd be pretty. It'd fun. Actually, be the right sort of size for him to cruise on. And then how many years was it from board number one and sort of you're meddling around? I imagine you're in high school or whatever. You're like 15, 16. I don't know. And and at some point you're like, hey, I actually want to get a little more serious about this. Um, maybe not necessarily as a full-time job, but, you know, like, was there a slow evolution where you just kept making boards throughout your teen years? Yeah, it was pretty slow. I mean, for a long time, it was a hobby. It was just something I enjoyed doing, like all through high school, just making boards for myself. I remember seeing like one of the old Tom Curran movies and I was like, man, he's, I want to ride a fish. That looks cool. Like I never really seen a proper twin kill fish and just kind of had to go out making one from the pictures. And it was just a fun thing for a long time. And then, yeah, finished high school, went to university and the same thing. It was still a hobby while studying and then, actually finished university and realized I didn't want to do what I'd been studying as a job um, and got offered a job in a surfboard factory down in Calandra. So I kind of just worked there, learned to sand, polish. I did all the ding repairs. For a few years, I worked there and then just kept making my own boards on the side. And then that's when I started getting proper, I guess, some guidance. So like, no, when you, you know, this is some techniques to shaping properly rather than like just winging it. And who was that home. guy? Who was, who were those people? Like, who's the one guy where you're like, you know what, that guy actually helped me a lot. And he might not even know it, but is there a, a, one guy that sticks out? Yeah. I mean, that was, his name was Paul Carson. Mm-hmm. Um, he wouldn't be a well-known surfboard builder at all. Like he's, he'd made boards forever. Like on the Sunshine Coast, he'd had a factory f- since... I think the mid seventies up until mm-hmm. probably 10 to 15 years ago when he kind of closed down and retired and I stopped working for him then. 
So yeah. he made boards for a long time, made a lot of good boards for like local kind of unknown surfers. Mm-hmm. Um, also did a lot of glassing for great shapes. There was a guy called Kent Manning who was an amazing board builder who worked with him for years. Um, we did a lot of Tom Wagner's boards back when Tom Wagner was making the hollow timber long boards that I think around the is it Sprout, I think Sprout, the Thomas Campbell movie that had when Tom in it with those boards. And so we were, Tom was bringing us the shaped timber board and we were glassing them, sanding them, sticking the fins on and doing all that work as well as Paul's own brand of boards and ding repairs and stuff that we did out of the factory. So Tom was bringing like those 14 foot Olos and stuff up to you or? Yeah. Those things. That, I mean, a lot of them were like sort of nine, six, 10 foot long boards, but then, yeah, I think one, the biggest one we did, I think was an 18 footer. And I remember <laughs> I like finished polishing it. Like we had a polish rack outside under a lean to and i'd finished polishing it and i was like standing it up and like put one end on the grass and was walking down it like and i said stop 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 and i like looked up i was about to hit the power lines with the board as i was standing it up but yeah it was really cool like they were cool boards to work on and that was a great experience and guess having tom showing up once a week twice a week at the factory he was a big inspiration too because he just moved to australia and bought that traditional longboarding element that was kind of very new here and you hadn't seen a lot of it was like him and dane peterson were the only guys you know they kind of bought that here other than seeing it on films and stuff like that so it was cool spending a lot of time with tom back then you know he'd always give me boards to try and stuff as well which was cool and an inspiration into that more traditional longboard side of things Okay, so so Paul and then Tom on some level was just there, and Tom's just so gregarious and so yeah, he's always smiling and just going here, you know, and um, and you mentioned Dane. Dane's an incredible shaper, and I, I don't think that he gets. I don't think, at least myself, I, I didn't realize that Dane was so involved in shaping surfboards. Yeah, I think he's always been into it. I remember when he lived here years ago, like he ran a ding repair business under his house that was kind of his probably his main income how he paid his mortgage rather than being a pro surfer but yeah he's always he's a proper surfboard nerd for sure you know like real particular real pedantic real geeky about surfboards so he was always a cool one to talk boards with and you know and surf with as well yeah so it sounds like paul and dane and and wagner were were pretty big influences for you. Yeah, I mean, just in terms of seeing them here and, you know, like they were the kind of probably some of the key people that you'd see regularly. Paul taught me how to build surfboards, like from sanding, glassing, everything. Like he was kind of a one-man show. Yeah. So I learned a lot of, yeah. I I was talking to, um, well, a guy sent me an email, Nick Timponi, who's, the son of Jeff Timpone, who's a shaper in Hawaii. And he said, Scott, I'd like you to help me clarify some things. There's guys that that build surfboards. Then there's guys that shape surfboards. Then there's guys that design surfboards. And he was telling me, I think that you need to make it clear to your audience that these are three categories that are important. 
and certainly the builder is at the top of the hierarchy because a guy like you, Thomas, you can put a fin on a surfboard with fin rope. I mean, that's something that people don't even know that that's a thing with all these fin boxes. And yeah. it, you can do it all. And so those three things, a builder, a shaper, and a designer, do you agree with those categories? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, there's a we've in our factory contract glass boards for other shapers. Yeah. And yeah, a lot of them don't un, even understand the glassing process properly. I mean, I'm the first to admit I haven't put fin rope on a fin in five years. Yeah. Because we're busy. I haven't laminated a board in probably five or six years too. Yeah. But I'm very thankful that I learned the hard way or something, you know, like yeah, I, for sure. I, you know, I can get in and polish a board. It probably wouldn't be the greatest polish because I'm out of practice, but yeah. at least I know and, and can do it and have done it a lot in the past. Yeah. And I think, yeah, there's, there definitely is that difference between board builders, shapers and designers or computer shapers. Yeah. And what are your thoughts on the, the guys that are using CAD that are using software and, and pumping up boards? I mean, it's it's an amazing tool. I, I use it all the time now. Like yeah. that for me in, in the last five years, the thing I've learned in surfboard building is CAD. That's my latest yeah. skill set that I've learned and I'm still learning for sure. Like there's it's crazy how detailed and how hard it is to get really good at it. Like I've seen guys and I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And that's for me just as impressive as someone that can hand shape a perfect longboard in an hour and a half. Like it's just a different skill set. But having the background knowledge of the whole thing, I think the complete package is the most impressive. So those guys that can design a board on CAD, can turn around and hand shape a board, can laminate a board. It's, yeah. That's that's the most impressive. The guys that just like, you know, get a generic file and make a few tweaks and go, oh, yeah, look what I shaped. And I was like, yeah, you didn't really shape <laughs> it. Like, you know, there's a big, there's a big difference. And yeah. I think even guys that can hand shape and, you know, are shapers, but don't, glass or sand i mean being a a good sander and knowing the process of sanding a board that makes you a better shaper and and understanding the glassing process you're like well if i finish my rail and i leave this edge crazy thin crazy sharp the guys are just going to run their fingernail along it and blunt it before they glass it anyway you know understanding oh well if i do this step shape the board and finish it in a way that these guys can laminate it easily and nicely so they're not going to get air bubbles or like kinks in the cloth that then is going to make the board nicer to sand and the sand job's going to come out good i think that's all pretty important to getting a good finished product yeah super nuanced moment right there that needs to be understood for sure yeah and um what does your day look like um you know, a typical working day for you, Thomas, you know, how many boards are you doing a day? How many boards are you doing a week? I, I know you've got a massive volume production now. So what is your factory looking like? How many, how many boards? Um, we're doing about 30 to 35 boards a week. 
Yeah. So yeah, it's busy. Yeah. Oh yeah, super busy. Um, yeah, and then we probably, on average, would do about five five boards a week that are for other shapers. You know, just that mm-hmm. we either cut their boards here and they come up and shape them and leave them for us to finish, or they drop off shape blanks. Has there been a? I know here in the states, there's been obviously there was this COVID boom where it was just crazy and you couldn't even get a board. The people like the surfboard business was through the roof. It was insane. Right. And I know it was probably like that in Australia. Yeah. Imagine I've heard it has been. And then of course there were things have been really slow here and factories have just, they've lost labor guys have had to leave because there wasn't work. Yeah. And I was wondering, has there been a steady amount of work so that you can keep your guys and your factory running and smooth or has it been ups and downs? We've been super lucky that so, so far we've still you know we haven't had to reduce the amount of work for anyone which is i feel super super thankful and super lucky for i know that there's definitely has been a similar thing here than in the u.s i think it hasn't from what i can understand and what i've heard it hasn't been quite as dramatic as the u.s but i mean it's definitely you noticed it in our retail store it's definitely definitely quieter than it was this time last year kind of the the end of the boom and then to now and interest rates and all that kind of cost of living stuff i mean it's definitely having an impact um we've been lucky just i mean we send a lot of boards to japan and asia and other parts of the world that that sort of stuff has still been ticking along nowhere's as busy as it was but we've had that work coming in that sort of has still kept the wheels turning and kept everything going kind of at at a steady pace and we in hindsight was really lucky like we opened a a store over in bali at the start of this year and that's been going quite well and that's been lucky like that shop's been going well so that's meant all right well that's another five to ten boards a week that we need to keep building to send over to go into that shop so that's kind of made up for a bit of a downturn locally kind of thing so yeah we've been lucky that a few things like that have kind of filled the void i guess of the downturn yeah and you know there's you mentioned bali and you mentioned like having boards in 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 a different region and it got me thinking i know there's a lot of guys um, guys like Christensen come to mind, Pat Ross, and there's a million guys that travel to other places and just pound out work. Like they'll go yeah. to Portugal and just pound out work, or they'll go to Japan and just pound out work for like three weeks, just like do so many boards. And that helps them kind of, I mean, immensely, actually, I think fiscally, it helps them a lot. Is that, it seems like you have such a big operation there. I mean, you have a retail thing, you've got your factory. You've got stuff in, but you know, you've got a lot going on. Has, has this idea of being a traveling shaper where you can go and be like a guest shaper, is that something that you've done or that you're thinking about doing? Um, I've done it a lot up up until COVID. I was doing it a lot. Like I was doing France once a year, Japan once a year. I was going to Bali and shaping there. Um, I've done a couple of trips to California and shaped there um i went to korea so that had been a pretty big thing i was worked out it was about three months of the year that i was spending 
overseas working yeah. and it was awesome like you get to meet like the relationships have built through doing yeah. that are insane and it was getting to a point where I was like, all right, I'll go over for two weeks. And then my wife and son had come over and we'd have a holiday afterwards. And that, that was incredible. Like getting to that point where you could actually not just say goodbye and go work and then come home. It was really cool to be able to kind of add a lifestyle element to that, to some of those trips as well. But then that kind of with COVID, it just went, when it canned, I was going to try and go to France this year, but it's sort of been so busy here that it's hard to get away now yeah yeah it seems like you got quite a big operation and it's gorgeous too from what i can tell you've got this really cool thing where you're in the retail thing and you can poke your eyes in and see all of the back behind the scenes sort of wizard of oz lifting of the curtain so to speak and there's guys laminating and I don't know if your if your shaping bay has windows in it but uh, there's a lot going on there's a lot for people to see it's quite it's almost like a museum or it's like a cultural impact <laughs> on your retail outlet. Yeah, I mean, it's just a lot of people have seen shaping, but it's cool to see. But seeing guys laminate and do colored resin tints is kind of more interesting to watch than a guy holding a planer or scrubbing a pre shape. So, yeah, we have two big glass walls that were roller doors that there's a courtyard next to the shop. So they just look straight into the laminating room. And then also from the shop, you can see into the laminating room. And I yeah. mean, people love it is you walk through the courtyard and there's always people taking photos and just standing and, and watching. I just think it's a really cool aspect for people to actually see boards getting built. Absolutely. And is that plexiglass or is that real glass? It's real glass. Wow. Yeah. That's heavy. Yeah, it would have been. <laughs> how thick is it, you know? Uh, I couldn't tell. Like normal kind of window pane. Like it's basically an external window of the building. So, yeah, it's just like a big fixed window. Yeah. And it's kind of, it works good too because it's on show, like helps with the room staying clean. Oh, yeah, I bet, right? <laughs> you know, That's it's kind of, it's kind of, yeah. Yeah. And I think all, all the guys that are working in there, they like feel a bit weird to start with, but now they kind of like it. Then, you know, they're not hidden away in a little room down the back. They're, they're on, you know, people can see them. It puts a face yeah. to their work as well, which I think is kind of cool. I agree. I think that is neat. I can see how that would be a benefit for sure. What about um, foam? Because I personally am a PU guy. I've been a PU guy since I was a kid. I, I have a hard time. I've been trying other phones for years and I keep, I, I'll pick up a board that's light and I'll be like, oh, and I'll be excited. And then I don't know. What are your thoughts on, on EPS? Have you tried any of the extruded foam? Um, I'm sure you do a ton of PU. What's, what are your thoughts on different foams? To be honest, I've only ever ridden probably a handful of EPS boards. I've actually got one at the moment like a go-to that i absolutely love like a full late 90s potato chip performance longboard like nine two four ounce glass but eps with a stringer so it hasn't broken like those old performance longboards would just snap all the yeah. time so this one i did it in eps and it, it's crazy light and it's been super strong. Like I think any other time it would have broken for sure. If it was a PU that was that light. 
Yeah. Um, but that's kind of my evil sin is my high pro, <laughs> high pro thruster, nine foot two longboard. That's like a shortboard for you, man. That's it is, it's, it's my shortboard. I, I don't, I never walk. I don't even know why I wax the nose on it. Like I never walk. I surf it off the tail. It's got a tail pad. It's, it's my shortboard out the front when it's, when it's. Is that a leash loop? Yeah, I wear a leash on that one. Just an ankle leash because I'm not cross-stepping. I don't need an either. A third ankle. I'm with you. I hear you. That's but yeah, tough. no, I mean, it, it, those types of boards have got their time and their place, and I love it. Yeah. And that type of board works for me. It's been working really good in a EPS. Yeah, um, it's funny you say that. Let me, let me just chime in there, if I will, because I have a problem riding traditional longboards, and I have forever. Um, and it's because the rail's soft the whole way through the tail. And I need a little bit of an edge, like the last six inches. Just give me a little edge so I yep. can get a bottom turn. Because I try to do a bottom turn on these traditional 50-50 rails and I'm just bogging. And then from there, it's, it's a, you know, it's a shit show. Um, <laughs> what are your thoughts on, on creating? And I've asked Wayne, my friend Wayne Rich, to, and he's done some really great work with me. But what are your thoughts on being able to create a really good nose rider that also does a really good bottom turn is that uh an impossibility there's always got to be some compromise i think like you're never going to get a board that's an in, an insane nose rider that also has that you know bit of drive or squirt off the bottom because as soon as you add some edge you're losing some hold for nose riding i think We've been playing around a lot with Harrison. I made Tosh one and made myself one. Trying to find a really happy medium of a board that'll still nose ride good, but will have that little bit of, you know, it's not a performance longboard by any means, but it's not a, a log where you've got that soft rail that's constantly dragging and feeling slow, like trying to just get a little bit of life into it. All I want, I just want a little bottom turn. Yeah, and and that's been really fun and, like, surfing on the beach breaks and stuff i think it's i've been enjoying that more than a log yeah because of that you know you just oh like oh there's a little section you can just you know put your yeah. foot back and push it up into the lip just that bit quicker and it's been really fun and then having put quite a lot of rocker in them like more than i would in a normal log <laughs> you and mean that's the helped. yeah all the way through but yeah uh -huh. in the tail and that's kind of helped them still nose ride good i think having that extra bit of rocker when you do get on the nose they they push a bit of water and the drag so that it still slows them down they don't outrun it still even with that little bit of sort of tucked edge right in the tail but That's it's, it's interesting right that you're getting more you're adding more rocker which would seem and i'm not a shaper so i i'm just kind of riffing with you but it would seem like more rocker obviously would be um go against what would create an, an ideal long a nose riding board but um i mean yeah i can I, I i do think it's super nuanced like i think that and again you tell me but it seems like nine out of ten of those aren't going to work and then one of them's magic yeah yeah i think it's really trying to find the right bit of balance and and what is that? Like, what do you think that, like, do you think that there is, does it have to do with roll in the middle? Does it have to do a concave up there? Like, what would you do? You know, again, I know it's kind of asking a tough question. Kind of, we've got a little bit of concave in the nose just to kind of give you that little bit of lift and, and push when you are on the nose. Um, 
the last variation is actually like a V double or spiral V kind of in the last two feet of the board, but then coming out near the rail, you know, it doesn't come out hard and then your rail, it kind of comes out and then, you know, an inch or two in from your rail, you're still kind of rolling uh-huh. a little bit. So you've kind of, when you're on, you've got a little bit of that roll feel, but then you've got the drive coming from the, the higher stringer and the, yeah, yeah, but just playing. And then the first one didn't have that. It was more of just a real soft roll to a slight panel V. I was like, I want to make it a little bit more lively, but not try and take away. So it's just finding the balance. And I think Harry said the other day, he's like, I think I like the other one, the old one better. I was like, no, I like the new one better. Like it's so yeah, we're just like that back and forth, just trying to trying to dial it in. And yeah. everyone's different too. That's what's so hard with surfboards. Like one this board might be that person's favorite and that guy doesn't like it. He likes the other one. So there's always totally going to be that element where different people just prefer boards to behave differently or have a different feel to others. So what might yeah. be someone's favorite model is not yeah. theirs. You know, some of our most popular models are some of the ones that I personally don't enjoy the most because I've, you know, it's either too easy to nose ride or I like, I like the feeling of that more than that. So it's, yeah. There's the other thing too, which I know you've experienced, which is the idea of a tweener, which is kind of what we're talking about. Like, make me a tweener, make me one that does this and that. And you end up playing a board that doesn't do that good or do that good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're trying to make something do that and that good. And more often than not, it does both of them kind of averagely. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about Harrison. How did you meet Harrison Roach? He's our current world champion. Um, what's your relationship like? Yeah, good. I mean, we've been good friends for years now. I think I've been building in boards for like 10 years now. Yeah. And then knew him before that, just through surfing, being at the beach. He's a bit younger than me. So I remember like as I was late teenager, early 20s, he was, you know, that 15 year old kid that was just blowing people's minds yeah. i've kind of known him since there and then just through time we got closer and closer and then yeah ended up sort of hanging out and surfing for a couple of years together before i then started making him boards as well is i it, think it... Okay. Oh, yeah. oh, i was just gonna say i think in terms of surfers that i know or have worked with he's pretty insane at feedback at being able to articulate what he feels in a board and also understanding of design and why a board feels the way it does you know he, he won't say oh that one doesn't seem to turn as good as the other one which is kind of a pretty common thing with surfers no matter how good they are whereas he'll I think that the the roll in the last six inches of that really slows it down and doesn't make it come off the bottom as nicely as, you know, like there's that understanding. And I think he probably got that from working with Joel and surfing with Joel years ago. And he's just into surfboards yeah. as much as he is surfing. I think that That's really pretty- shows. Has he asked you to, to, like show him the ropes or have you ever got him in there and said here here's the here's a plane here's a sanding block or whatever yeah he's shaped a few boards i think oh he's probably shaped half a dozen like off the blank with a planer 
from scratch and just sort of ask for tips along the way. Um, shaped some over in Bali when he was with Deus and they had the bay there. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he's done much sanding. We might have tried to get him to sand a board or two, a board or two, but he's definitely, you know, into it. Like he's and now like he actually works with us or for the business as well. So he's, you know, he's at the factory two or three days a week, you know, yeah. in the office working and helping me and the team out sort of behind the scenes and stuff. So he's definitely heavily involved right on. with yeah. the business as well as just being a team writer. Yeah. Um, I guess the, the first event of the world tour is coming up here in Huntington beach. Um, I imagine you've been to Huntington beach, Thomas. Yeah, I was over, I think I've actually been there twice when the U S open. I think it's a shitty wave, man. I think it's a shitty. Wave. <laughs> it's Why a you'd want to have a longboard contest there. I don't really, it's like, cool. Let's go surf a shitty closeout. Try and get a quick hang five and do a turn off the closeout. What are your thoughts on the WSL's longboard tour? I, I sense that they, that they don't really give a shit. It kind of seems a bit half-assed. I mean, the fact that you can you can do the tour and win the world championship and you barely break even, you might make a couple of thousand dollars. It's pretty sad. Yeah. You know, considering you could win a, a Challenger Series contest as an 18-year-old shortboarder and you'll make 30 grand. Yeah, exactly. But then you win, you win a longboard world title, and you you know you yeah. might make a couple of grand after you've paid for all, everything. Might get asked not to come back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's sort of. I'm just kidding. I don't. Yeah, it's it's a funny one. Like it's it's cool, and what you know when Devon was involved and in that kind of it was, you know, there was a lot of good intention. Yeah. And I think there still is a lot of good intention with it, but yeah, it's just one it's of those. Been, it's always been sort of like a, you know, like redheaded stepchild type of vibe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Now, when we think about com competition and longboards, there's obviously there's traditional longboarding. There's high performance longboarding, which you sort of mentioned with one of your boards, that EPS longboard. I'm of the opinion that traditional longboarding is high performance longboarding i think the the surfing that harrison did at malibu the surfing that we see the best guys the joels the dane petersons all the greatest long traditional longboard surfing that is the epitome that is the best longboard surfing i as much as i like doing a bottom turn on a performance longboard i don't think that that's what we should be highlighting or or elevating what are your thoughts yeah. on that yeah i'd agree i mean it's it's longboarding and that, you know, Harry surfing at Malibu, that to me, like that is a pic perfect picture of the best longboarding. Yeah. And I mean, I love riding my high pro board and doing a roundhouse and a floater, but yeah. I'm surfing it like a big shortboard. Exactly. I'm not, you know, that's, they're fun boards to ride, but it, they're big shortboards. Yep. Whereas that, what Harry and Joel and like Justin, that's, yep longboarding i think you know i remember it always stuck to me when i was younger i think it was in one of the to early thomas campbell movies and stuff it was like longboarding is like an under head high thing yeah 
predominantly most of the time like a pr proper longboard is heavier it's got one fin and you ride it when the waves are you know maybe a little bit overhead but normally once it gets bigger you end up jumping on something else that suits your high pro longboard or a, a mid-length a shortboard you know so i think i've always kind of really held that idea of you ride what suits the waves i mean we live in right. Nusa, we've got waist high peeling waves a lot of the time we ride heavy single fin longboards yeah exactly which speaks to why huntington beach is horrible <laughs> <laughs> tell me about um look you've been bing copeland has selected you to take part in the icons of foam shape off um, we're honoring Bing this year at the Boardroom Show in October here in Del Mar, California. Um, what do you know about Bing Copeland? I mean, I've you know read books, magazines. I actually was at the Boardroom Show last year, like stopped in and checked it out because I was, was over to watch the contest at Malibu and it was great timing and went to the Boardroom Show and actually met Bing at the booth oh, there which was oh, which was super cool um but yeah i mean i've read you know the history of you know how we've started building surfboards and you know not in crazy detail but just kind of the general on you know about him being one of the you know early pioneer sort of shaper builder board business guys over there yeah well what are your thoughts on this competition? What do you, it sounds like you've seen it because you were there. Yeah. Looks scary as hell. <laughs> you're, you're, you're in a little, you're in a little glass box with a whole bunch of people like watching you with a, with a clock going. Yeah. I'm kind of shitting myself. <laughs> and then I get like, cause I got a message. Wayne Rich sent me a message. And he's like, oh, do you want to, you know, first ask me if I was like, Are you fucking kidding me? You want me to shape against you, man? You're going to rinse me. Like, <laughs> but no, I mean, it's an amazing honor to get invited to come and do it for sure. It's going to, yeah. Yeah, exactly. At the end of the day, we're just honoring being and your participation is, is spectacular. And everyone kind of gets it, you know, that it's really about, um, honoring his legacy and um, we're stoked you're going to be involved have you thought about what boards you're going to be asked to shape you know there's round one is one board if you get through round one then round two is a completely different board yeah and that's even scarier coming from here it's like i've seen maybe four bings like well proper old bings you know like a mate of mine has a like light, a lightweight nose rider, I think, or, you know, like the classic. And then I know another guy that has, is it a step deck? It's, I know it's got a step deck in it. I'm not sure what the model's called. Yeah. And I need to like borrow these boards and have a look at them before, like, you know, cause it's sort of pretty, pretty foreign. Yeah. And, and when you know, you're saying you, you, you're honoring Bob McTavish, be like, all right, cool. Yeah, I've seen heat. You know, I know what the old longboards were like. I know what the seventies bluebirds were like. Cool. You know, I've got a a good picture of those boards in my head. I've touched them. I've felt them. I've looked at them. You know, they've been an inspiration. And you kind of yeah. have a lot more of a mental idea of what you might be in for when you're saying your old beings. I've seen pictures of that pipeline of thing. Like they look insane, but I've never actually even held one. 
So it's, yeah, well, yeah. that's the other thing too is that Bing's catalog is ridiculous. Like Bob's, Bing's got boards from '58 to 2028 man that guy's got yeah. bored for so many freaking models it's ridiculous you know what i mean so the one that trying to nail down and practice on one you have no idea if that's the one he's even going to choose yeah yeah i'm just i think i'm just going to be um flying blind and holding my little funny planer with one hand and copying shit for <laughs> <laughs> shaping aussie yeah. style it's going to be fun you're you're going to be great um, do you do you use a um, like a um, what's the word I'm looking for like a vacuum system? No, attached to your planer, or you just go freeform. Yeah. Okay. And um, do you have any questions for me about I don't know the rules or? Yeah, I mean, I don't really <laughs> know much about it at all. I know you you get to look at a board, and then you have to go copy it. That's kind of my understanding. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I will send you all the little nuances of it, you know, and we'll, we'll get you up to speed when you're here. Yeah. Too. So, um, I'd hate to quote something right now over this zoom call and get it wrong, which I'm known to do. And then, <laughs> so, but basically, yeah, you get to look at a board, you get to measure it and then you get an hour and a half to go in there and, and bang it out. And then yeah. of course, Bing and Matt Calvani, and there'll probably be one other person um, judging the two blanks, you know, like you against whoever. Yeah. And then Do you even uh, get it finished in an hour and a half. I mean, <laughs> the idea is you're supposed to get it finished. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll, get running. Yeah. And um, too, I guess, too, I was thinking about it, I was like, I'm going to be using blanks I've never used before, too. Yeah. I'll be US blanks. Yeah. Yeah. so it'll be interesting um but you're a favorite man you know you don't realize <laughs> everyone's like holy shit thomas is coming over from australia it's gonna be heavy uh i can't remember wayne's got to be up there like yeah wayne's, wayne's, wayne's insane uh, wayne and roger hines th and those yeah. two guys they take it so serious like they're they're probably right now practicing you know what i mean like they're super involved I need, I need to, I need to dust off the planer. Yeah. Give it a run and don't, don't hesitate to call Wayne too. He's actually quite helpful. He's a sweet guy, as you know, and he'll yeah. give you as much insight as he can give you. Yeah. About. He's awesome. I was super lucky. Um, Devin introduced me to Wayne yeah. a few, oh, like five or six years ago. And then, yeah, every time I've been over there, I end up bumping into him or catching up to him. He's, he's lovely. He's such a nice dude. He's got those massive, man hands and you shake his hand you're like oh whoa i'm gonna yeah but yeah, he's, yeah such a lovely dude yes he's a, he's a, a good guy um you're making a push here into the united states with your boards um what does that look like and um, what is your what is your business model i guess i should say or i guess in how do i get a board from tom how do i get one of the boards in in the past, we've always like oh, a few years now. Like I've always had a, a few retail stores from the US reach out, like order placing orders and wanting to order boards, and then also customers. And I've kind of always trying to trying to juggle it. And you'll do the do an order for for a shop, um, 
and send it out and then you get you know custom inquiries like people wanting to order boards I'm like oh yeah well i've got three so if i you know i'll do an instagram post and try and get a few more and then hopefully we can ship it all together to make it affordable because you know it's such a hassle with the mm-hmm. shipping and stuff so we sort of sat down and like we just need to make a bunch of boards and get them there mm-hmm. to make life easier for everyone so if stores want to order cool there's a bunch of boards pick from it what what do you want we can send it out to you in a week mm-hmm. and same with customers like oh i want to order a board on it's like cool this is what we have check out the website and you can buy it if there's nothing there then we can do a custom and we'll put it in the queue and send it when we do another sort yeah. of shipment so it's just trying to make it easier yeah. for everyone on that end and on our end but, you know save them there's so much admin associated yeah. with trying to coordinate 25 custom orders to then get sent at the same time yeah. with the customers and with shipping and stuff so like, let's just build a bunch of boards, send them over there and see what happens. What about on the East Coast here in the United States, um, the Eastern Seaboard from Florida up to, say, New Jersey? There's some shops, thinking of the Heritage Surf Shop in New Jersey, there's some shops that do a ton of really nice boards. Um, have they? anybody on the East Coast reached out to you? It's been funny with in the last like couple of weeks since we kind of have had the website up and going, we've had more east coast interest than west coast i would say yeah I, that and, doesn't surprise me I yeah I, I didn't expect it but yeah it's my sense is that the west coast is slammed with guys building longboards or just and i know you do more than that but it's it i sense that maybe on the east coast they're like you know let's get an australian guy to make you know i, I just think that i i really don't know either but for whatever reason, it doesn't surprise me. And I guess it's because in the 60s, when all we had was, you know, 1966, say, all of these guys here in Southern California were shipping tons of boards back east. Florida, Virginia Beach, Maryland, New Jersey. Like, there, you'll find more old Hansons and more old GNSs and stuff like that out in the East Coast than you can find around here because they shipped a ton of boards. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I was thinking because I was like, gosh, you know, one guy um, from Heritage, it'd be cool to get him to come out to the boardroom show and just and because I, I I got this. I get this sense that somebody's going to go to your warehouse in San Diego or wherever it is. Look at your boards and go, I want them all. And just like swoop them <laughs> up and just drive them back to New Jersey. Like I, I could see that happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. I hope it happens. Yeah. Um, I also want to tell you about something else. We do this thing. You may have seen it last year. It's called Best in Show. It's open to any yeah, show yeah. around the world. We pick a category. This year's category is the bonzer. So yeah. we just ask surfboard builders to make us a bonzer and put it on display and you'll be entered. And then, of course, the winning board um, gets like a thousand bucks or whatever it is. And it'll be judged by the bonzer brothers, Malcolm and Duncan Campbell, who are sort of legendary board guys here in, in California. Yeah, I've actually got it. Oh, um, I think I've had four boards off Malcolm now. Oh, okay. Super lucky. Like we both go to the same place in France Oh, cool! Um, to shape at UWL. So every time the cl- I missed him by six hours one year. So I've never actually met him. 
but literally like I left that morning, he arrived that afternoon and we're in the, using the same shaping bay and everything and like kept crossing paths. But every, I think every year I went there for like three or four years, I was like, can I place an order for Malcolm? And like, and then the following year I'd get the board that I ordered last year. Very cool. And then I did ordered one just like the year before COVID and then never got it because I didn't go back in 2020. So I ended up getting it. It got sent over here. I think I got it last year. And I, yeah. got, I got the board I ordered off him in 2019. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I mean, if you're so inclined, um, consider building a board and bringing it and putting it in best in show. I know Malcolm would, and Duncan will be stoked. And again, those guys are judging it. So they'll they'll be there. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. Well, cool. Thomas, it, it feels like we've talked about a lot. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing you in competition here. I'm looking forward to seeing your boards here in the States. Um, Cheers. Thank and, you. And, um, and yeah, is there anything we missed? No, I don't think so. Oh, we did good. We said a yeah. lot here. <laughs> Sweet. All right. Well, cheers. Look, you know how to get a hold of me. I'll be reaching out to you as well with uh, the rules and all that. If you have any questions about uh, the boardroom show or, or even how Thomas Surfboards um, can be involved on a bigger level, don't hesitate to reach out. And um, dude, we're stoked. You better grab a Bing book and start looking through the Bing book. I actually bought the Bing book when I was um, at the boardroom show last year. I've, oh, got, cool. a, I've got a signed copy of the right. bing book so yeah it's time to time to start studying i mean we've got you've got rick rock who's the defending champion you've got roger hines wayne rich yourself hank warner who's an absolute legendary san diegan shaper um this kid josh peterson i don't know if you know josh but he won the east coast shape off he's from i want to say florida or north carolina but he actually lives in hawaii now um who am i missing oh dane Purley. do you know dane yeah, he's yeah. Osprey surfboards, I think. Is yeah, his yeah. He was out here last year. I don't know. He spent some time out here for one of the Noosa Festival, and actually, yeah, yeah, hung out yeah. a bit with him on the beach. And I think our kids were playing together in the shore break or something. But yeah, he's a lovely oh, guy. Yeah, super cool guy. So it's going to be fun. What a great group of shapers honoring Ben Copeland. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, that's cool. All right, boss. Look, good chatting with you. Um, and then reach out if you need anything, and I'll be sending you an email. Will do. Cheers. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for having okay, us. Okay, you bet, buddy. Bye-bye. Yeah,